I type a text to a girl I used to see saying that I choose this cutie pie with whom I want to be. And I apologize if this message gets you down. Then I'd CC every girl that I'd CC around town and hate to see y'all frown, but I'd rather see her smiling. Wetness all around me, true, but I'm no island. Peninsula, maybe. Makes no sense. I'm no crazy. Give up all this pussy cat that's in my lap, no looking back. Spaceships, don't get me quipped. Worth rearview mirrors, they dip as quick as they can. The atmosphere is now ripped. I'm so like a pimp. <laughs> I'm glad it's night, so the light from the sun could not burn me on my bum. <laughs> when I shoot the moon, hot jump the broom. Like a preemie out the womb, my partner yelling, too soon, don't do it. Reconsider, read some literature on the subject. You sure? Fuck it. You know we got your back like Cairo Pratt. Tick, if that bitch do you dirty, we'll wipe her ass out as in detergent. Now hurry, hurry, go on to the altar. I know you ain't a pimp, but pimp, remember what I taught you. Keep your heart, three stacks. Keep your heart, hey, keep your heart, three stacks. Keep your heart. Man, these girls are smart, three stacks. These girls are smart. Play your part play your part <laughs> thanks Brittany. wow that's a first for us i love it Good. i have no idea who you were singing who you were rapping who was that so that was international players anthem by ugk and if you'd heard it you probably might not even know that's what i was singing <laughs> not a great rapper but no that is, i love it it was great down. thank you so hands much down my favorite thank you so much for opening up the show that way uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about marketing and trying to figure it out. And, uh, and I know that everyone in the construction industry always needs a helping hand when it comes to marketing because they think that they're professionals, but they're not. Yes. I'll be the one to say it. They're not. The majority of them <laughs> are not. They just think that anybody can do it. And, uh, sure. It's kind of like construction. Anybody can do it, but can they do it well? No. So marketing needs help. So we're going to have a really interesting conversation. I've got Brittany Murphy here from One Thing Marketing, the word one, uh, www.onethingmarketing.net. And it's uh, to reach her, it's Brittany at onethingmarketing.net. And it's also on social media on IG, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You'll find them at One Thing Marketing. Uh, quick shout out to RBS Concrete. I, I'm wearing their tea today. So thanks guys so much for the, the tea. And I really appreciate it. Uh, so Brittany... I know we chatted last week and we were having a, or a few weeks ago, right? We were trying to yes. figure out when we could possibly fit this in. I wanted to try to figure out where do we want to begin with marketing? Mm. Well, would you say most have somewhat of a grasp? They want to get a little bit more technical into local, trying to gain some more local traction. I think that's an important uh, way to do it because I think when they look at marketing, they probably try to compare themselves to big fish. And I don't, think it's um the same kind of animal i i don't think you start comparing your small businesses to the big players out there that have massive budgets when it comes to marketing um i think it's uh you want to try to figure out how do i do that grassroots reach how do i get that kind of in-person you know word of mouth in the neighborhood in the street in the in, you know the city that i'm working at that kind of idea how do we begin doing that well, I think maybe where we should begin to have that conversation is just make sure we're all on the same page. I like to begin with how most homeowners are going to be searching for someone in the trades that they're kind of looking for, if that sounds fair to you. It does, um, yeah. And the majority of them, they use social media like everybody in the world. 
Yeah. And if it's not social media, then they're picking up their phone and going to Safari, going to Google and typing in. And that's kind of where I specialize in more to be quite candid is I'm, I'm going after the homeowner that is a little impatient, is frustrated and really kind of needs that fix. So there are proactive and reactive clients. Reactive would mean something's broke. I need to get it fixed right now. Proactive would be before it gets broken completely or before my wife kills me because I haven't found someone to fix this before the break is coming. They're more of your proactive people. Okay. So proactive, I like to say they really do kind of use social media a little bit more. You're going to be kind of idea generation when it comes to that point of it. But for more of my trades, roofing, plumbing, electric, mechanical, paving, any of those, usually you're kind of fall more into reactive. Yeah. Your homeowner is only calling you because something is broken. They kind of need that fix. So when they're going down more of the reactive, we need to have an answer very quickly. And so Google is usually the best solution for us when we need to just have that answer quickly because we type in, you know, remodeling company near me. And boom, we get three, at least people pop up in a map. We get ads above, we get results below. It's really kind of the first step. It's like the digital way of going through the yellow pages or the phone book back in the old days when we had the print version of that. I love that you brought up Google. And I, I know early on in the shows, way back in probably uh, double digit shows, um, we had a, another, I guess, social media expert was on the show and he actually dove into Google and AdWords and how to position everything and how he basically started talking about that Google is almost like a useless 13 year old kid that doesn't know how to do anything. You've got to kind of walk it along every little detail. And when I when he was talking about that, he was talking about the commas and the words and the keys and the way it's all positioned. And I know that when homeowners get on Google or they try to do a search or whatever, they'll just it's a huge blanket. And we don't want to be part of that huge blanket. We want to be a little more pinpoint. How do we get our positioning on Google to be that more precise? It really will come down to three basic elements. And the first one's your website. The second one is actually that SEO content, breaking down each of your services in your area on your website. And then that third fundamental core step is making sure that locally you are optimized. And that really kind of comes back more to the Google My Business profile that a lot of companies sometimes are struggling working with, but that's where 60 to 70% of our, all of our clients are actually seeing their calls come from is that map section. And you know what I'm talking about yeah. when I say that little map pack on Google. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm noticing a slight trend with a lot of tradespeople in the industry that they're not really focusing or paying a lot of attention to their website they're trying to still hang on to and only use because of time, I guess, social media. In the last few years, I've been telling everybody, get right back to the website. The website is still an important tool. You really need mm -hmm. to do it for those three reasons that you did, you just shared, Brittany, that's true. Yeah, and again, if you think more about how impatient are people in your area or how impatient are you as a person, you know, when we come down to that aspect of it, we have to, again, kind of go through that funnel I just discussed is they're picking up their phone and just Googling the answer right then and there. Again, they're kind of, as you said, that impatient 13 year old, I need the answer. Or you can even think of a toddler asking why, why, why Google is that perfect resource that kind of gives us those solutions to it. So it is unfortunate that we do think a little bit more on social media when it kind of comes to the trades, just because if we think more about how most of our leads come in, if they're coming because something's already broken, it needs to be fixed then they're going to be going to those resources where they can just find some businesses, see the reviews and call them right away from there. 
not to say that social media doesn't play a role in it, but it is impactful that Google is playing such a huge space and it's 98% of all search volume. I mean, I don't know who can beat it when it yeah. kind of comes down to those statistics as far as where most searches are coming through. So, but I mean, the argument that they'll always bring up with me is that social is turning into sales. That's just how it works. The way they populate their social and they get their messaging out there and they show their work. Um, mm -hmm. But there's two folds. I kind of explained to them that I've also been noticing a lot of clients not wanting their house or their work shared on social. They want the privacy. So they're kind of getting rid of our opportunity to get more work. How do we handle those conversations? Because I, I'm in the same mind. If I was renovating my own place, I don't want anybody to see it. It's my place, right? But we kind of feed off of that to get future work. Yes. And I think one of the biggest compliments you can give the client is that the work you did for them is exactly who they want to do more future work for. And I think we all are hoping whatever we do to our home is in the best interest of not only ourselves, but our resale value, you know, any future sale we have off of it. And so what I've noticed is, you know, when you kind of do give that client the compliment, they kind of understand. And also when you have that more physical interaction with them, you're asking them in person why you need this, what the review could mean for your business and how you're going to utilize it to protect their privacy. Those are all things that the homeowner just might've been confused on. So they didn't ask those questions. So it was just an immediate, no, I'm not going to do this. But people kind of love their egos being stroked a little bit. So if you actually tell that client, like, this is exactly the bathroom remodel that I've been talking to a lot of prospects about how beautiful it would look and no one's taking me up on the design schemes. And this was exactly what you had in your mind. I would just love if I could share this because I want more clients like you and you were easy to work with. And I think this was a beautiful turnout of our, our job. You know, would you just be willing to share that little tidbit, you know, to hope and helps you could help a business like me, you know, continue to grow if you think I did a good job. So stroke their ego, but on a, I guess, an ongoing basis, on a nurturing basis, instead of just trying to say, because I know that a lot of uh, tradespeople have actually been putting it into their agreements, their contracts, where mm -hmm. they're allowed to show some of this content as long as they don't divulge where they live or any identifying family or whatever, right? Um, and, and, and they're doing it because it is a sales opportunity for them. But I guess if you if you do it the way you just described, it kind of makes more sense where you kind of nurture them along the path and then they'll be proud to say, you know what, why don't you share it on social media? Because I'm sure there's another family who would, would love to get the same work that we just got. Yeah. And if you're not already putting that into your process, it's psychologically better to ask in person for that favor because they're more likely to say yes. Not people want to turn down in person. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. If you have that follow-up system afterwards to ask them again, they are more likely to actually leave that review because they did tell you yes in person. And we kind of feel that obligation to fulfill the promises that we make to people. So not to say that you should use psychological tricks on everybody, but make sure you're asking in person because I see a lot of people just sending a text or an email and it's so impersonal. And especially if I spend a few thousand dollars with you, you don't have two seconds just to call me and ask, Hey, how did it go? This went great. I loved it. And now you have an opportunity to step in and kind of ask for it there. I love that you just brought that up because I, I think that us older individuals are really appreciating the phone call or the in-person, like actually stop the DMs and stop the texting and stop the digital communication and, and go back to the way we normally communicated. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in there. Yes. And I mean, the aspect as well, when you think about it, you might get leads coming in to you from DMs, from contact forms, from phone calls, from a variation of methods, 
But once they're in as a client, like I love having my trades guys ask, how would you like to be communicated with? I mean, just getting to know your prospect on a better level. And especially if you sell anything higher end or more luxury, anything more expensive. I mean, even for my metal versus my shingle roofing contractors, it is a higher expense for that end consumer. So what can you do to help them feel more comfortable throughout that process? Those are things that are going to make them feel comfortable from day one and then understand as well why your past referrals did leave those testimonials and why, okay, well, I don't even know who those people were. I just saw how great their kitchen looked. You know, all those things do add up to, and it's not that it's not that hard at the end of the day, but you have to create a process around it because again, we're not going to win every person we ask to get that testimonial from. So we have to be okay with rejection and kind of keep pushing through it because at the end of the day, that is going to be the digital word of mouth everyone is going to use to pursue your business. And even if word of mouth, they tell you a neighbor recommends, they're still going to look online to see your reputation. So if it only comes through the words of someone, but not the digital side as well, then it's kind of hard to back up those with more statements, because at the end of the day, we all kind of want to make sure we're making a good decision. Homes are getting expensive. Mortgage rates are still expensive. We just want to make sure we're doing a good investment at the end of the day. So all those really feed into just a high trust factor with your client and a good close rate at the end of the day. I've got, I totally agree with you. I've got uh, so many questions, but I guess before we even just start continuing, just diving into all these questions, why did you get into marketing? I've, I've kind of always had a creative bone in my body. Um, so at the end of the day, when it comes to creativity, unless you want to move to one of the big states, California, New York City, you're not going to have as many creative jobs, I feel like, in smaller towns. And my parents at the time liked the idea of marketing. They knew I was creative, but they really kind of wanted me to get more of like that business sit-down job. And I was more of like the hands-on like retail merchandiser. Like that was kind of my avenue with it. Um, but about 10 years ago, I found the my partner in this business and met, and it was a beautiful reflection of when it comes to digital, it allows you to kind of stay up to date. I mean, things are always changing. And just like in construction, things are always changing. I think that's the beauty of it is it's always going to have that ebb and flow and it gives allowance for me to be creative, but also understand here's the construction, which I know is going to work with someone. And it's not working with overly ridiculous ideas. I'm not that that creative i'll put it that way but i love kind of getting into the weeds enough to kind of think strategically that's kind of my marketing creative still so this is kind of where just after 10 years i've kind of found in my niche and what i specialize in so i'd love to i'd love to have you walk the our listeners through and our viewers watching um how okay our we have people finally they tell themselves that they're, they're looking at their business and they're going we need to market now we're not a big fish we're not a huge brand but we need to market ourselves how do you walk them through that? How do you start them? What's what's the question that's asked first and how do we go down that whole path? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing that I'm always going to make sure I understand is kind of how big they are and what the goals look like of what they need to achieve. So even down to the granular of that is exactly what industry are you in and exactly what cities are you trying to do business in? Because that will set us up for exactly what the strategy needs to look like. Um, one tidbit I'm having a lot of conversations lately with a lot of different trades across the U.S. is they want to multiply into a few different cities. And each of these cities are maybe 30 minutes to an hour away, which for a lot of guys, I mean, that's easy drive time. We kind of want to get to that scale of business, most likely for some of my people I talk to. Okay. However, Google's making it hard to just rank anywhere. And they're making it where a lot of people use some scammy tactics back in the day and they're hitting down even harder on those who are trying to do it correctly. So that is kind of making sure we understand exactly what do you want to rank for and what area do you, you want to rank for that in 
because you are going to have to physically be located in the area in which you want to rank for. That's kind of like the hands down talk we have to start at. And that's kind of where we start talking about your Google My Business, if you have that office location. And a lot of guys have home office addresses. That's fine. We have actually somewhere to send that GMB postcard to to claim your business. But if you're trying to go 30 minutes outside of that or an hour outside of that, we really kind of get into the conversation of satellite offices for your business to basically make sure you can spread out even further from that. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, I actually wanted to ask you, are social media ads working these days? You know, I honestly don't mess anything with social media and we do ads. We, we run ads ourselves, and I've seen kind of a slow decline since the iOS 14 update. Um, I've kind of seen a huge change and drop from there, but the problem is you're going to have to spend money to see that in return. And I've seen some guys pull out of it. So it's kind of where cost per click is going down on a lot of these different ad platforms because advertisers are, well, not advertisers, but the trades who are advertising are kind of, you know, maybe watching their wall a little bit. So that does help bring it down, but I'm not seeing wholeheartedly a lot of my trades guys get a huge return on their investment from social. What they use it more that they're seeing is someone found me, someone was referred to me. They saw my Instagram or they saw my Facebook page. They saw recent projects. They saw that my reviews there matched my Google reviews, which matched my website. So when they called, they kind of had a, a better, well-rounded picture of the business they were talking to. So that's kind of where you don't have to have ads to have that supplemental social media platform help you close a client. But not to say more of your proactive people, if they're looking for kitchen remodels, they're probably planning this a few months out. You need to kind of probably push some ads if you're trying to get more of that proactive side out there versus the reactive. But that's my two cents on it, knowing that I'm not putting a lot of my contractors dollars in Facebook or social media or Instagram ads just because we haven't seen a good turnover just as far as where that that last call comes from. And it's for us as well, kind of where the age range is you know, are based off of as well. So, I mean, the reason I bring it up, Brittany, is because um, I, I've, been, I've been seeing a lot of tradespeople and their businesses buying those ads and just mm -hmm. doing those clicks. And, and I, it, it makes me question, are they doing it um, because they're concerned about the next job that they're trying to book up their next month or the next six months or whatever? And my thought process is like, is it too late at that point when they should have already started thinking about a marketing plan months ago if not a year ago and it's not it's almost like a desperate attempt to get some work when you should look at the overall plan instead of just let me just try this ad i'm going to commit to you know facebook or ig or google or whatever and i'm going to commit to 100 bucks a day or whatever for the next seven days and see how that works it's not going to work right because yeah, it's no. just that's not how the marketing side of the business works right so i guess my question to you is that is it too late at that point that you're you're trying to scrounge up and, and, and get some ads out there? Yeah, because as you mentioned, most likely, most people I see are just pushing that boost post button. Yes. We all know that does nothing. I mean, you feel like you see, hey, I got 10,000 impressions. I got five clicks to my website. It seems fantastic because you didn't have anything previously. But at the end of the day, did you track to see if anyone actually called you from that ad? So really more my beef with it Manny, is that no one's tracking. So I'm okay if you want to throw a lot of money into Instagram. Hey, at the beginning of the year, I'm you know, not. we're going <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, like if they want to do it, but my problem is, did they track it? And I think yes. most times the answer is no, we just, 
put some money out there and then hope someone called us, but they didn't put any, any mechanisms in place. And a lot of times we're even suffering just to make sure the person who answers the phone is asking, how did you find out about us? You know, just in summary, no one's asking that. I feel like as much as they should, but when we're actually just dumping that money into it, we're not tracking it at all. So we're putting it in and we're saying, well, that didn't work. Well, what if it actually did too? That's the opposite side of the hand, Manny. Maybe let's just say they dumped that 500 bucks into Instagram and they got three phone calls off of it for luxury kitchen remodel jobs. That's amazing, but they might not have tracked that to actually know that it came from that source to continue to spend money on it. Um, and to be very frank, if you're not going to use like kind of like a 90 day to a six month strategy on like advertising straight with dollar ads, then it's hard to kind of track that long enough. So yes, if you're also going to change each month doing something different, that's way too much change. It's not enough time to track any longevity, any increase, you know, and can you, are you, are you doing anything to fix it a long time? You correct you know? me if I'm wrong, Brittany, but I mean, any ad that you buy, you can track, right? You can. Okay. If yeah. you set it up. Okay, so not only you buy it, but you have, to, uh, you have to set up the analytics behind it, right? Yes, and why I say you need to do that is because you do need to take every set of analytics with a grain of salt. For example, Google Ads will tell you you had this many clicks, this many impressions. Okay, great. But if you actually set up a call tracking report with that exact phone number and you were able to track exactly how many times a phone call came in, you might notice that the number that came from that is a hair different than Google. And I think you should be assuming as well, the number that actually came in might be a hair lower than what these ads are telling you as well. That's what I'm seeing because at the end of the day, you're also getting some spam calls. Yep. Those aren't filtered out until they kind of get to you. So that's kind of where as well, you want to have your own call tracking number so you can look at these phone numbers exactly back. And those, even if you set up and pay for tracking, they might not actually give you that physical phone number. So that's why I'd rather you have a call tracking system so you can match back those phone numbers with the client that called, closed, and you can exactly do the math of your return on investment because you knew exactly how many people bought and how much you spent on that six months of that advertising campaign. But oh. it's not fun. It's it's not fun no, to wait six months fun, to see what that looks like. It's, it's valuable information, though. It's something that you have to look at and you can't just be desperate and just buy an ad and just hit boost because it's not going to benefit. What I mean, you got to keep on reverting right back to the purpose of it. Like, what are you trying to achieve here? So then you can't just say, well, I'll just boost this and give Facebook some money and that's it. No, the objective is to get a deal, get a, a, a sale, get something from it, right? Yes. And even not, if it's not social media ads, I see guys doing this with Google ads, Yes, you know, and that's kind of one thing you can't just throw that up at the last minute. And to be blunt with it, just the Google, the auto wizard that it sets you up with is not the correct way to set ads up. Now, if you have absolutely no dollars to spend on any marketing company, follow the wizard or a cheat code, follow a YouTube video of someone who's telling you the cheat codes of how to set these ads up for yourself. Yeah. You know, all the answers are out there nowadays, but they're even just throwing that up there so quickly because like, for example, I have roofers in Texas, a storm comes through, they want an ad up immediately. But if we actually could take a step back and think, okay, we know probably some storms are going to come in this spring. Let's go ahead and create the ads now. So we perfect them. They can actually be good. We can test them before it's time just to turn them on. I mean, just little tweaks like that. That's the proactive thinking of creating a marketing plan and a marketing strategy, like you said, instead of throwing spaghetti up at the wall and hoping that it sticks, we're actually having some plan. And maybe it's not 
one year in advance, we have this all done. I'm, I'm not saying that, but you know that, hey, from this month to these months, I'm going to run these ads because this is my ramp up time where I need to fill my, you know, my, my book of leads that I have. This is my slow time. I need to do this and this instead because I'm not going to have as much money coming in, but I still want to have some exposure and try to get some visibility. This is what we talk about when I say like, yes, let's holistically think about what we should be doing and proactively plan for that. I agree. Totally. Um, by the way, that spaghetti will stick, but it's not going to taste very good. Just, no, not at all. Not, not at all. So I do have one magic question to ask you because I've always wondered it myself, you know, coming from advertising before construction. Um, and I figure I ask you. Um, and I guess the question is, does advertising actually work? Because we spend all this time and effort um, and money, you know, and, and um, doing things and trying to do things, try to throw as much spaghetti as possible. But you're always asked this question, like, does it actually work? And I guess it depends on perspective at that point. Yeah. And advertising only works if you create it to so, so that it can succeed. I mean, it's kind of like a failure to plan is a plan to fail. That's kind of how I feel like advertising is. Again, just like we said, if you're throwing money up, it could work, but are you setting yourself up for success? Or again, are you just kind of crossing your fingers in hopes that this will help you land a next job and then you don't got to worry about it again for a couple more weeks and then you'll figure out again what you need to do then. Advertising is not that type of roller coaster. It really shouldn't be. And that's kind of where I get into the mud about it is because I've talked to a lot of businesses businesses that have spent 50 grand one year, a hundred grand one year, and they had absolutely nothing at the end of it. And they said, this was absolute shit. We're never spending money again on marketing. And it hurts my heart because I completely understand it. But then when I see what they spent money on, okay, well, we didn't really have much tracking on this. So are you even sure we didn't get that money back on it? Well, we didn't even get a hundred grand in business. So we were at a loss. Okay. How did this go out? What was your messaging? I mean, everything you can kind of think about it. Unfortunately, there are kind of not fly by night, but there are a lot of shady marketing companies out there and they're willing to easily sell you a low rate package, nickel and dime you just for a few things here and there. And you think it's working well enough for you because you're only paying 500 bucks a month, but that's the bad advertising because that's when it's just cookie cutter. There is no game plan. There is no customization and there is no follow through or tracking. So you're just spending a, a flat monthly amount and kind of, again, crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. And what I hate as well is if you go on autopilot, yeah. do you feel that's kind of a common symptom as well? As, it is very much. Yeah. That's, and and that's kind of, I feel like where advertising will stop to work. The minute you put yourself on autopilot and you do not check in, you do not tweak, or you don't have someone else doing this for you. Because again, I, I have remodeled almost everything in my home, but I cannot do it by myself. I would have to have some resources at hand. I do not expect any of my tradesmen to know how to incorporate new Google Analytics 4 onto their website so they can track this shit. Yeah. The expectations are completely swapped for that. So that's kind of where know your strengths, find someone to partner with. So that way you can actually understand when I do spend money on advertising, is it working? And my follow-up to that is what sales process do you have in place after you've advertised and they're talking to you? I feel that that's the second half where some businesses can really flop. I totally agree with you. I, and brings me to my next question is basically, I, I want our listeners to understand how much money should we be spending on marketing and advertising? And I guess it's in, in proportion to what our sales are projected. Yes, it's more about that projection. So, I mean, if you type that into Google, most websites are going to tell you five to 10% you should be spending on your marketing dollars. 
I think that's a good range. And really kind of when it comes down to that, it's going to depend on how much you want to grow. So if you're going to say, well, 5% is enough for me, then that 5% should just be a thought of this is everything we're going to be doing to maintain where we are at. Because even if you are a very busy business, if you cut off all of your marketing, you might be surprised at that your leads will slowly dry up. You cannot only glean from past clients and referrals to always keep your business up and afloat. So you can't just kind of let that go on that side of it. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other half of the question there, Manny? How much money should we be spending oh. on advertising and marketing? Yes. So the higher end is obviously what more of a scale of growth, but even that answer, it's, it's, it's very cookie cutter answer there to you. That's going to be a huge range because my answer is going to reflect more back how ex like ex aggra not aggravated, but how aggressively serious do we need to be on that scalability? And also where the hell are you located? If you are in a rural town, you can probably spend 5% and be pretty good because you do not have a high competition in front of you. Um, I have guys that are in Salt Lake City. They're trying to spread out over a two hour radius around that area in Utah. And it is competitive. Their cost per click for anyone who runs Google ads. I mean, it's, it's 50 to $75 a click. Wow. People who don't know what that means. That means a click that where there's going to your page. That does not mean they called you. That does not mean they gave you their information up to $75 just for them to go to a page to hopefully contact you from there. So even using that, you kind of, I like to use the math of maybe 20% conversion. So times all those numbers by five. So 250 minimum for a lead to call you. So that's hell of expensive in my book. So when we kind of come down to there, we're going to have to be more on the higher percentage because we're in a more competitive environment. More guys are putting money into it and anything with ads. If we're not talking SEO, when we talk about ads, it's eBay. It is a bidding system. So the more guys you have going against you, the higher it's going to drive all those prices up. So it's kind of where, yes, you have to consider where you're at and how much you're trying to grow in that area. Um, and I joke with someone, they saw their area was so expensive. They said, if I move two hours uh, to the West, you know, there's only one other business and it's still a population of 50,000. What are your thoughts? And I was like, yeah, that's a lot easier game plan if that's what you want to do with, if you want to rank there and be the, the boss within a year or two, you can do it there but you can't expect to only spend a little bit of money and kind of be in a huge city. That's the hard part. And that's where you're going to do some more grassroots things, but you're still going to have to put a lot of money into your marketing because everybody else is. You just got to find the better dollars where it's going to work for you. So not so you have to match theirs, but find better purposes for the money that you can spend into it. So the one thing that I get so frustrated, Brittany, about uh, with the construction industry is that we're obviously going into a very uncertain year with 2023. We're not exactly sure what's going on with the economy. And the first thing on the chopping block is what? Marketing. Mm -hmm. Every tradesperson just looks at their business and they're like, yep. no, we're not going to spend any money on marketing. And they're, that's, that's the worst thing you can do right now because this is when you should be doing some marketing. What are your thoughts on that? I wholeheartedly back you on that only because... COVID is the best example of all of my trades companies who did not pause their marketing budgets with me. We saw a exponential growth over their competitors during that time frame of kind of like that first eight months of 2020, where everyone would kind of lock their wallets up, got really nervous about what was going on. We had a few guys who said, you know what, like we're doing good. We're busy. Like, you know, we're just kind of kind of keep chugging with this until things change. Then, you know, we do need to pause with you. We understood that side of it. 
the ones who didn't pause, I mean, and there's actually some statistics out there. I'll try to find some maybe before we get off, but those who spent marketing dollars during that time frame when everybody else turned all of theirs off, it was like a two to three times lead growth over their competitors wow. that didn't. I mean, it's extreme. And so that's why, yes, even when we do see that potentially things do not look great, I always say be more strategic and cut the fat, cut the expenses of marketing that just aren't working for you. I mean, that's where I get back to my rant and, you know, my milk crate, little milk box. I like to get on about tracking, but it really does come down to those basics. We can probably cut quite a few thousand dollars off your marketing budget. If you tracked it, look back at the results and then look that back at the exact clients you signed up. These things are possible. So I know it sounds maybe like that sounds crazy. I can't do that. It is 100% possible to be able to get that type of reporting and know 100% what client came from where and how much return you got on that investment. And the ones that brought you nothing in, cut them. The ones who brought you leads in, keep it. If not, give a little bit more to it from places that you cut. And that's kind of where you might see some of your competitors, the area you were successful at, they weren't successful at. So now you have even more of an avenue to really kind of go down and like just make a touchdown with your marketing because no one else is doing the things you're doing in that arena. You bring up such a valuable point, Brittany, because the thing is uh, in, in construction, a lot of people will get a successful client. They'll do a successful job. They'll get such kudos from the client, like amazing work. And, and obviously they'll just rely on word of mouth and hopefully they'll get another job from it, whatever. But I think some of the missed opportunities that are on the table is that the tradespeople are forgetting to analyze that client. Who was that person, that family? Why did they hire us? What did we do? And why can't we find more people like that and paying attention instead of just waiting for we're so good, our referral will come to us. No, it doesn't yes. work like that, right? You should be looking at why that family, that person hired you and not your competition. Yeah. I mean, that's your differentiator. I mean, the grand scheme of thing, that is what made you different enough from your competitors to where they chose you to do that service for them. It's pivotal. And I mean, one thing I always kind of harp on my guys to do is the easiest way to start getting into SEO, that search engine optimization for your business. So if you want your website to rank better on Google, you're going to have to create content that your prospects care about. The easiest way to do that is when they call you or you go into their home there's always those same questions they ask you every time. You know, you always feel like you're a parrot repeating the same things back during every sales meeting. But guess what? Before they asked you, they went to Google and they typed that in. Yep. Hands down 100% of the time, because what homeowners want to do now, now that, I mean, we all kind of have this access at our fingertips. We're in our homes. We hear bad things about bad contractors. We want to safeguard ourselves. We're looking at these answers because we want to make sure that what we feel comfortable with as the answer, you somehow are close enough to that. Or if that answer was incorrect, you can easily educate us and coach us as to why it makes it better. Now, the questions that that person asked you that ended up booking with you, I bet nine out of 10 times, the same people are asking those same questions. And if you're able to answer those questions with authority, you can build so much trust and a bond and a relationship within that sales arrangement that's what you want to do. And that's what you're trying to replicate it. So asking those clients, what made you close? You know, what questions were able to answer for you? You know, where were you confused or, or frustrated or frightened? And we were able to kind of bring you that solace about our business. 
holy shit, Manny. I mean, that's like the, the holy grail of all communication. You can now put on your website, you can put on your social media. That's the language that is selling your clients. So use that in your marketing. So, you know, going back to the earlier question, advertising works if you make it work well and you make that plan. Getting the language of what your customers talk by and what's selling them, that's pivotal. I mean, that's the message. That's what's going to close them day in and day out versus you speaking to what you think they need to hear versus asking them and getting into their head. Should we be spending some time, Brittany, on um, trying to grasp what else or what other interests our clients have going on in their lives right now? Like, should we be paying attention to, I mean, we already know that Siri's listening and Alexa's listening and they're all listening and you can, we could talk about marketing, all kinds of stuff here. And all of a sudden, you know, we're going to get pop-ups and things like that, but there is some value there to, to understand who our potential client is and where they're interested in vacationing, where they're possibly seeing their influences, uh, what shows are they watching? What do they like regarding maybe some designer shows that they're liking some ideas, Pinterest, all kinds of things like that. See where their interests are lying and all of a sudden kind of get a better understanding of that. So then that's what you can present to them on a sales level. It is what, yes, exactly. I mean, even just the aspect, if you want to bring it down to the most basic level, what's the family type of an architecture of that? Like, is it a family you're talking to? Is it mainly the female homeowner? Is it the, the male homeowner? Like who is that first caller? What are they like and where are they looking for? Because website design, I don't like to get super tricky with it. No bells and whistles are really kind of what sells a client unless you are very much a special, we need to see this before we purchase it, huge purchase of that end. Most times we just need to see enough that we say, okay, this website is relevant to what I was looking for. And I see enough information on here. I'm going to continue going through the sales process of hearing about them, understanding about their services and calling them or giving a contact form and kind of going down that. Um, and I apologize, my brain uh, spaced on me a little bit. What was the beginning of that question again? <laughs> no, just trying to get a better understanding of the clients and trying to see yes. what their likes and interests are because I mean, we're the same. We, we're always being sold to, so, and then we're yes. turning around and selling them. But yes. I think if you had more ammunition on trying to figure out who the family dynamic is, that will benefit you with a potential sale. Like you, you're going in when you first walk in there, you're just going in because they found you, but they mm -hmm. haven't hired you yet. So if you go in there with more information about their interests and their likes, you potentially will get that deal. Yes. And so that's what I was saying, as far as the visual design of your website, you can incorporate that with their personality style. But again, if you actually ask these questions to them in person, then your sales meeting is better because now you're saying about how, how this is going to help reflect the lifestyle that they want to live. That's what we're all thinking about. I mean, we're not thinking about crap. I have to get a complete tired new HVAC system. This is going to be $6,000. I did not want to spend this summer. That's where their head's at. But instead, you know, when we talk about, if you look at almost any HVAC website, they're very family oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times they're the American scheme colors because that's kind of what we think about when we think for some reason our air and our heat. We want someone who's going to keep our family cool, hot, warm, safe, protected. That gives us, okay, great. Yes, I'm more of a family vibe. You're going to care about me because you're also coming into my home. So that's kind of where if you are anywhere in most trades are going to come into that client's home at some standpoint, that's why it's important is because this is such a personal interaction and purchase for them. So the more apps you are to feel that, Hey, either I also have the same hobbies as you, or because of your hobbies, this is going to be a better fit for your lifestyle. Then boom, they feel like they're heard. 
that's what they want to see is the beauty of the pros and benefits of using your service and knowing that you have customized it enough to what's going to benefit and work for them. At the end of the day, you have solved their problem because you listened, you answered their questions and you made them feel comfortable and confident. So I want to talk about something that's a little evil in our industry and that's reviews, mm, uh, good yes. or bad. And it's like, we know that it's human nature to, um, most people would want to leave a bad review and very few people want to leave good reviews. And you always have to kind of follow up and ask your clients to leave a positive review on whatever platform it is. But um, in construction, I get a lot of people reaching out to me telling me that I didn't even do the job. I didn't even quote the job and I still got a bad review. They left a bad review on their favorite platform or whatever it was saying that he didn't make any time for me and he wasn't uh, approachable. And he was like, it was just someone just taking the time to just be negative about something that wasn't truthful. How do we handle good or bad reviews? Well, the first step would be not to take a shot of whiskey or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the way to handle it. I've seen some responses that I only hope the business owner was a little bit tipsy for when they wrote back to that. Um, it, it is, it's a really, it's a really kind of crappy place to be. It's, it's like pulling teeth. What we want is we want more good reviews. And the problem is Google makes it harder to get rid of those bad reviews. So the solution is to get more good reviews. That's kind of the process that Google, Google even tells us by. So one thing is if you do get kind of those reviews where in a sense they did not use your service, if there's any hope of derogatory language or anything that just seems so untruthful or false, you can still try to appeal it to get it removed. So still try, because again, if it's something that just slanders your company, go through that first step to try to get it done. But unfortunately, 90% of the time it is going to be stuck on your profile. So when you do have that bad review, you have to respond to it. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. Um, the reason I say this, Manny, my last name is Murphy. Murphy's Law has been a part of my life ever since day one. So with that being said, I'm the type of person that when I look for a business, I'm going to go to the one-star reviews. I want to see what are the biggest complaints that this business is going to have or that I might see in my experience with them. Through that, I can kind of see, okay, was it the client's fault? Was it the business's fault? And from the response from the owners on the businesses, it helped me even more figure out who it was. As I said, if you are very frustrated when you see that review and you just let it run loose and on your opinions of what that review meant to you, then it's going to look bad on yourself as a business. Okay. Maybe this person was in the right and now you just completely took a left field to it. So instead we want to take a breath respond to it. If it is someone who did not utilize your services, stay a little bit of a story of what happened. You know, Miss Jones, I'm so sorry to hear about this. You know, when Manny came out to give you a quote for your kitchen remodel, you know, he listened to all of your needs. We try to fit a budget together and a timeline that would work best for you. However, it looks like we weren't the best fit as a company at that time for your needs. We hope maybe in the future one day we can be. Uh, we again apologize for the experience. Um, I'm the owner, David. You can call me at my direct line here to tell me about anything else you would like to discuss as I want to make sure this is addressed. Now, that might be a little bit longer than a few sentences, but what I saw as a person who is potentially getting the service done is I saw, okay, so that was just a quote. So this person didn't even use them. They just didn't like the pricing. Okay, well, as a marketer, their website didn't mention anything about pricing. So I can kind of understand why people could get frustrated because they have no idea of it, but that looks more like it was 
the potential client's fault than the business owner's fault for just assuming that this should be only $5 of a project versus a $5,000 project. So that really does give perspective to it. And if it was a bad service, just apologizing and saying for them to reach out to you for a solution and giving that the direct place they can call or email, that is all I want to see because whether that person called or responded to them, and most times or not, they don't, it looks so much better on my end because you're not hiding from it. You're not making excuses. You're just asking to come to a solution with them and here's how they can reach you to do that. And to me, that's very professional. That's all we want to see at the end of the day is at least if those one-star reviews, those bad reviews, you're somehow taking responsibility and trying to flip the script. So therefore it looks like you are going to do anything in your possibility to make this right for the client and for any future client as well. I love that, Brittany. It's great. And then you can have the shot of whiskey. Then you can have the shot of whiskey afterwards to celebrate. <laughs> you can be very upset that you had to be so nice about it. I mean, trust me, that's why we offer that as a service because it's hard. I mean, yeah. we've gotten a bad review. We moved in, we were renovating our office. Someone came after we changed our business address, but we had not moved in yet. And they said, this is a fake business. They're not here. The, the place was empty. And so our response was, you know, it looks like, you know, they, we can see the date they left it. And we left it just two days after, you know, so sorry you showed up two days ago. Our office is in renovation. It's supposed to open at the end of this week, November 7th, you know, 2021. You know, we kind of gave them that type of information. So if anyone sees that review, they see, okay, well, this guy just showed up during the renovation and was pissed at them. Like he didn't hire them. He paid yeah. them no money. Yeah. Like, okay, it just sounds like he was having a bad day. That's what you're trying to do. And that's kind of what it means to like flip the script of it is you're just trying to point out the truth. And if it was your fault, not hide from it and try to be, take that higher road. And most times and none again, that person's not going to contact you. And if they do good, this goes back to what were the issues and where are some areas of communication you could work on in your sales process? I mean, asking for this bad feedback is always going to hopefully, and usually give you some good information to make those changes of your business on. You're not going to make a lot of changes from only positive reviews. Those bad reviews will help you make changes in your business to help you only make it for the better in the future as well. I love it. I wanted to ask you in today's digital age, can we still go back to old school marketing tactics? Do they still work like, I don't know, um, gift with a logo on it or, or something like that, or just like, I don't know, yard signs or like those old school techniques, do they still work in today's today's digital age yeah i mean one thing we make for all of our trades is like door hangers so if you're working on someone's home you're going to do basically touch the four houses around well actually five houses around so the two on the sides the straight across and the ones parallel to that just as a good little basis to kind of get your information out there because most likely that neighbor probably knows these people and i'm in a cul-de-sac i actually everyone all these six houses that face me so if i did see someone had a renovation done and i got a little door hanger for it and they said hey we did your neighbors and i could see the truck always in their driveway this past whole month you know because we we can see it we're driving past their brand of trucks then yeah i'd actually be curious hey susan how'd they do for you like can you ask me you know kind of what the budget was can i see it you know i'm just kind of curious how they do I do think that, that kind of foot traffic is still a really great thing. Um, not every homeowner likes to have their door knocked on. So it is kind of that hit or miss side point of it. Um, but kind of getting down to those, those basic things, you can just kind of keep incorporating into your process. Try it, test it, and track it. For example, some neighborhoods in some areas will be very, very apt to door hangers, asking their neighbors and going from there. Other neighborhoods, I don't like anyone in my neighborhood. I'm not going to ask them anyone. They obviously chose the worst person in the company to come to our neighborhood. You know, like Susan sucks. 
they're going to be completely different. So try to test and kind of go back to it from there. But when it comes to kind of branding, I like to see, yes, I love to see yard signs. I want to see the logo on your truck because these again are all trust factors. When you show up to my home, I see it. I know that it's you. Those are all very important things to us. And I kind of feel like uh, pamphlets, brochures, you know, physical, tangible things you can give to the homeowner while you are in their home always plays a huge role too, because it's something afterwards. Okay. Well, now I can tell my fiance, Hey, here was his quote. You know, here's what he gave, like, what are your thoughts are? We can kind of have that conversation versus leaving me with just nothing. And now I got to go through my brain to kind of rack out what I think the conversation was about. So I think they do, but again, it is all very different for every industry, every area. So try what you think is working best. And if it's not working well, then you can stop it. But that's where I wholeheartedly believe have that different phone number, have a call tracking system for all of these different things you do, because nine out of 10 times, they'll probably call you from that pamphlet. But again, you will have a special offer on these things. So that way, when they see it and they say, hi, I see that you have a 21% off for first time callers. You know, you know, that 21%, that's a weird number, 21. Well, I know that came from these door hangers because that's the only place we have 21% off, 22% off on our billboards. So we know when they call with that, that's where they came from. I love the whole tracking thing, but I'm just wondering how much time is that going to consume to kind of follow through with all that stuff? I mean, because tradespeople in general, like, first of all, you're fighting them because they don't want to give a marketing budget. Second, they want to come up with a marketing plan. Third, they don't want to spend a lot of time on marketing. So it's like you're asking these people three things that um, they really don't want to do, but I'm telling them right now, they have to do these things. That's the problem. For you to solve what you are worried about potentially happening in the near future, you have to come up with these three things to begin with. So you have to find this time, you have to set up a plan, and you got to allocate some money to to build this out. Yeah, and I mean... We use CallRail. I mean, given do your research and find your best one, but it is not that long of a setup and it's a one-time setup. So remember that you can create all these phone numbers. You can you can create 10 of them, have them all written down and then decide which one goes to which avenue of your marketing dollars. Once you set that up one and done, you really don't have to do that again. And a lot of times, you know, like House Call Pro, Service Tie, and there's some really good programs out there that are CRM systems. So not only will it do the call tracking for you, it'll help you decide, okay, how many of these callers did I give a quote to? How many of those quotes did I actually close? How long do those projects take in total? I mean, this is all information that's still good for marketing. I mean, it's not maybe not 1% geared just towards SEO, but it's geared towards all the different types of marketing avenues you're going down. This gives you more insight to your client and your lead base. You might find out more and more. It's a six-month lead time for me to find them, quote them, close them, and kind of get them started. Yeah. that's how much f- further out they're kind of preparing this versus if I'm in a business where it's reactive, this is all done within a week time frame of them calling for a quote and getting their HVAC system fixed because it's 90 degree weather and they're going to get this fixed ASAP. So I have to do different in my marketing there. So it wasn't that long ago that a lot of contractors in the business, they were driving around with their vehicles with magnetic signs on the sides, right? It was a generic and almost every business looked exactly the same way. And, um, and then I think it was the day of, you know, like the age of social media, IG specifically with contractors that they started being a little more savvy when it came to their branding, their marketing. But I also noticed that there was a lot of companies out there that were asking me questions about, should I rebrand? 
So at some point, do you look at it, maybe it's a father sort of handing down the business to a son or a daughter, and that that dad has always had ABC contracting or whatever it was. It was a very generic logo, generic sign, generic everything. But that's not going to stand out, and you're dealing with an old-school type of person where it's like, well, I always got my work because of the work. I didn't get it because of the marketing. Well, today you have to get the work because of the marketing. So at, at, when do you decide to rebrand, Brittany? It's a good question. And usually when the decision is done is when management changes hands over. And a lot of times it's because they're rebranding because maybe the vision or the feel of the business doesn't match how they feel that they are or the new homeowner environment in which they're getting clients for. To me, that's the best reason. If you, again, have those conversations with your clients and you can ask them some of these questions, if you understand their hobbies, their passions, their, their likes, their dislikes, you'll probably get a better engagement of, wow, so my logo probably doesn't scream to them. It's just a regular text serif font and I'm a luxury interior designer. And these people probably think I'm so old school because the logo just seems so plain and blah. These are the questions you can actually have answers to. And you can wholeheartedly ask them that, hey, like, do you think that this matches like what you're trying to look for? And again, this is after you've worked with them, you know, after you've kind of closed the client, you've built that relationship, you can ask these questions because they're going to be more candid with you too. Yeah. You know, maybe that say, you know, yeah, the, the logo is boring, but you showed up and the sales presentation knocked us off our feet. You know, your logo sucked, but the website had so much information on it. You answered every question we had. You had an amazing gallery of before and afters. Everything to this showed us that, yes, you were very modern. You were intact with it. But, you know, does that website, does that gallery match your logo, match your image, match your message? This is when I feel like you do need to flip it. And again, it might be you are changing who your clientele is. That's time for a rebrand as well. So if you're going from um, you're doing a lot of commercial work and now you're going to be more of the family type of remodel, then you have got to change it because that very professional logo for commercial worked. It might not appeal to a homeowner because they feel that's really, you know, just very boring. You know, it doesn't seem like they seem fun or caring or, you know, they want to really sell. They really care about HVAC or they really care about remodeling. They really care about construction. You know, that's kind of where I think what we like more about the rebranding is it shows you have some passion in what you do because the logo isn't just so plain and generic anymore. People are trying to customize this and they're trying to create a vibe, you know, create some type of uh, personality that they have so that way people can connect to that personality. So whether it's the logo, whether it's the color scheme, it also comes down to that language. Are you using the language that your new clients are using that they feel that they want to describe them and also the contractor that they'd be working with? Those words have to match of who they think they are and who you are at the same time. Okay, I, I love that. It's great. Um, I wanted to ask you at the beginning, we started talking about geotargeting. We started talking about how we can get our messaging in, in local areas because that's where our business is all set up. And I was actually surprised to hear about um, a company years ago. This is decades ago. They actually got into TV, not realizing that they could afford TV and it worked for them. They actually generated a lot of sales because of that. Um, I guess it was just cost effective at the time to get into mm -hmm. TV. Are there any other advertising avenues that we can consider now that will benefit us outside of the digital age? Is is TV an option now? Is radio an option now? Is there like things like that? Are are people still advertising in newspaper? I don't know. Like, uh, does it still exist? I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, the hard part is, for example. I think that most phone books are very out of date as far as a marketing avenue for most of my trades. 
I have only found one client who they, because they tracked, they were able to quantify that they got a third of their phone calls from the phone book that they've had a full page advertisement in for the last decade because they tracked it. it was, okay. So who is that client then? Like, do you, do you know who that is? Or do you just know you have this many phone calls? And they said, well, to be very frank, it's a uh, clients over the age of 65 who still have that in their home. And although they have a cell phone still prefer just to use that because it's simpler for them. And I said, okay, you have proven to me, you can keep this as a successful marketing method. But I've had other guys who have that in there and they're like, we haven't gotten any calls from it. Well, what you're trying to do isn't really targeting towards that homeowner, you know? So it, it really is, it's 1% custom to kind of where your area is at. A lot of times in some cities as well, there is such a, there's such a huge TV bundle, especially with the digital ads they'll throw with it on like Spectrum is the local one here. So they'll put you on basically like you could be on the Roku channel. So all those different programs and apps that they have for just the regular, you know, non-cable TV, you can have your advertisements there. I think those are helpful. How expensive they're getting and if that's working or not, that's where it gets really conflicting. So I... My fiance loves Porsches. I, I do too. Um, because we talked about it one time with a dinner conversation with our friends over, I have been targeted for the last three weeks. I shit you not with <laughs> Porsche ads. And I almost just want to respond back to and be like, you were wasting your dollars, which is making the vehicles more expensive and out of my price range to buy anytime soon. Please stop, save your dollars so I can afford this in the future. Those, you know, like it's great how crazy and a little bit scary targeted ads can be and they can be so custom and perfect like that but again you have to take that with a grain of salt because it's targeting me just because it heard me say the word once or twice through my phone i've not gone on the website i've not done anything of that but i'm getting targeted with those ads so it's always going to be ebb and flow and that's kind of where the answer i can't tell you a co cookie cutter for everybody and everyone listening don't take a marketer's cookie cutter answer for yeah. you yeah. if you find something's going well try it Tra track it, test it. That is the only foolproof way you're going to know if, if you spent $5,000 on this radio ad or $5,000 on this TV ad, or if you're an advertiser on a podcast station that's local, just track it. That literally is hands down the only way. And I'm sorry, it's probably not the, the great answer you were looking for, but it is so custom as far as exactly. No, no, I totally agree. It told, who I, that buyer I, is. Yeah. You, you got to, because the thing is I've told everybody your business is unique. We're all tradespeople. We're all contractors. We're all renovating. We're doing plumbing. We're doing electrical. We're all doing these trades. But what sets you apart? What makes you different? Then, then your messaging should do the exact same thing too. You shouldn't have the same messaging as as your competition. You should be looking at other options. But I, it was a nice lesson to hear the, that story because they never thought that TV would work for them. It wasn't, the, they never thought they could afford it and it would never work for them. But then all of a sudden it was affordive, affordable. And then all of a sudden it worked for them really well, better than any other option out there. So that's why I'm saying is that right now for tradespeople, look at all the options that you have. Don't look at the options that your competition is doing or what's being presented to you, like boost, post, boost, post crap. Like figure out what options are out there for your business. You might be surprised. Yep. Yeah. So that's why I was bringing it up. So, and then I wanted to ask you, Brittany, is that how do we shift gears? Like, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I mean, okay. So we want to test something out. We're looking at it. The data is okay. Uh, but we're thinking, okay, maybe we can improve or something like that. At what point do we look at ourselves or we look at you and we go, okay, uh, how do we shift? When do we shift? Why do we shift? Like, 
uh, we're implementing ideas here. We're trying new things. We're 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 all of a sudden doing it. We're getting some sales, but we we were not getting the the return that we think we're gonna we were hoping to get. Um, how do we make that shift? So I'm gonna say when is gonna be after we try this for 90 days to six months. So just kind of always remember that, guys, is we can't shift every single month or no. always every single quarter. Not yeah. a smart game plan. Um, I think you need to change your marketing. So let's just say you've run this for six months. If it is an advertising campaign, um, because when I talk anything SEO, this is going to be a longevity. This is diet and exercise. So it's going to take time to prove it's worth in gold. However, the diet pills are what we can test and track so quickly and easily to see, is this good for our marketing dollars? TV, radio, social media ads, Google ads, any of that nature with it. When you're able to track it for that 90 days to kind of six months ratio, if you're breaking even, that's not always a bad thing. And let me specify this. If you're breaking even in this, at the end of that 90 days or six months, what are we able to tweak on this, if any, to maybe improve that just a hair more? Um, A-B testing. I mean, that's just what technically what it's called. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that in any industry because we have to test what's going to work better than one another. So for example, maybe during that 90 days, you do flip the offer every single 30 days. Maybe you're giving away a different uh, air quality unit with your HVAC purchase, or you're giving a percentage off. You're doing any of these things. If you can try and test out that, you might actually see, wow, this is what everybody is calling me about because they're very, very interested in, in indoor air quality right now. So let's make sure we have all of our IAQ equipment on our coupons, on our offers, and kind of go from there with it. So try and, and test that with it. But what I always say is, yes, if we've tried this, if we've made those tweaks and we are losing money on it after those six months, let's change it completely. I mean, and that's if you are changing things. So it's kind of where you have to be smart with it. You have to be smart with the person you're doing that marketing with. The hard things with some avenues, let's just take billboards, for example. You might have to pay to have that billboard switched out every single time you want to pay that off or you want to have that offer up there. That can kind of get expensive, which means some people are saying, well, that's out of my budget. I'm just going to use that exact same billboard for the six months and see how it does. That's such a hard thing. So that's kind of where before you got into a billboard, let's just try out our messaging on some ads. How's that working? Maybe you switch between your radio ads. You just do 15 to 30 minute, 30 second segments with A, B different messaging and see which one, because you have different phone numbers for each of these ads, Manny. Yep which one is giving us more calls from that. And now because you have a better message, you've honed it in, you can pay more money to put that on TV that you can't change that commercial every so often because it is a production. It's a video production, just like a billboard. They have to flip that out and redesign it. And you have to pay that fee to kind of get that done. That would be what I would kind of just hone yourself into because to have the expectations that marketing is going to 10 times your revenue anytime soon, you can't have that expectation. This is not TikTok where you went viral and all of a sudden you're kind of, you know, this is just the golden era of your business. That happens so few and far in between. So we do have to lower our expectations of what we need to do to more realistic standard, but not to say you should be losing money on your marketing. That is completely unacceptable. And it's completely unacceptable for you not to change and tweak your marketing to make it better and try to see what you can do to get more bang for your buck. A couple of things I want to bring up is, is it worth offering like a discount or a tracking code, or if you buy in now, like I guess some sort of sales hook, is it worth to do that in our, in our industry? So, I mean, we already know what our rates are. We come in and all of a sudden clients start asking us for discounts to begin with, but I see a lot of business coming in, call now and we'll give you 10% off. 
to begin with or whatever. We'll give you an upgrade on this or upgrade on that. Are those valuable? They are. However, what I'm seeing and hearing from my trades guys, if you make it more snaky in such the fact of call, book, and buy today, now you get the discount. If you choose to think about this purchase, the discount is removed. That's so shady. I yes, hope no one very, buys very from you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst window salesperson tactic even I just got last month. So therefore going to it, people do want some type of offer. They want to feel as if they're getting some type of deal. And a lot of trades guys will build this into their pricing and that's a-okay. You can still offer something, build that into your pricing. So therefore you can afford it and you're not going under by trying to get these new clientele in here. But if you're, even if you're underpriced than your, than your competitors, you could probably add this on charge, same as your competitors, and you're still making more money than you had previously. So my answer is to that is yes, giving them some type of tangible, because if they're putting you up against three other companies, if those other two guys have some type of offer to give, they're going to call those two first because they're hoping maybe one of those two guys works out and they get that bonus on top of it. And it's a benefit versus you don't have that benefit to even offer. It kind of, it kind of hurts and pulls you off the table, in my opinion. Um, I want to bring up, a, I don't know, you might know the story about how Henry Ford actually came up with the whole assembly line how a trip to Chicago meatpacking is what gave him the idea. And it actually, it's a, it's an interesting story because he actually was invited to a meatpacking in, in Chicago and he discovered that there was an assembly line in, in, in a butcher facility and he took that and brought it to automotive. So I've been telling a lot of tradespeople to start looking outside of our industry to find out new ways of presenting yourself. And because you'll see that other industries will be very open and honest to tell you their secrets because you're not their competition. Mm -hmm. And so it, I, I, I want tradespeople to look at their business and start figuring out, okay, how do I look at different case studies that have worked for other industries and apply them to construction and see if we can make them work for construction because there's always another opportunity there to look a little different. I mean, in the beginning, when I started creating some social media noise, I came up with imagery that was different than what was typical in construction. And it, it got me a lot of open doors. It got me a lot of meetings. It got me a lot of opportunities. And, and I enjoyed doing those things. And that's what I started seeing that, okay, you don't need to look in your own backyard to improve your, your backyard, right? Oh, yeah. I think one of the most, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, that was it, yeah. I think one of the most valuable things I've brought to my contractors is because I've remodeled every single thing on my home in the past eight years, I have contacted a lot of different tradespeople to come out, give quotes, and do that work. And from it, you know, I saw some businesses that were like sending a text or an email out, you know, double extra confirms with me, sending the message of, hey, here's a technician that's going to show up. His name's Joe. He has two dogs, loves long walks on the beach, you know, and has been with our company for the last five years. Holy shit, Manny. My heart would go, okay, it's not a stranger walking in. I can trust this guy that's showing up. You know, I've got two dogs too. Okay. He's going to understand not to let them run out the front door. All these little things you would never thought of could appeal to a homeowner. And I got that from them. So that was something I shared like, hey, can we have more team pictures? Can we have more information such as that? Because it might be a female homeowner that's a little bit worried just about who's going to come in. You know, there's that little bit of scare uh, and just fear that people might have in their mind. What can you do to abolish it? And so now they, they ease the sales process on me. And I was even more excited for them to show up out of all the contractors because I kind of knew the person. I kind of felt like I had that little bit of connection with them to ask these questions I've been asking everybody else to 
And I mean, that was just kind of beautiful in that aspect of it. So, I mean, you can use that concept in any different of the construction trade industries because we all want to have some type of follow-up. And so, yes, asking not your competitors, but the guys in different industry, like, what are you doing to track? What are you doing to find out your if your leads are a good fit and good quality from where they're coming from? How are you following up with them after the quote? And after the sale process goes, what are you doing with them there? You know, is this something where you follow up with them every six months? Are you even following up with them? You know, all those little questions you can kind of ask each other and, you know, like a trades mastermind, like that's the information share I, I really kind of want to have. So it's kind of the fun part is I love how people give over, give me quotes because I'm just kind of seeing like, what are you doing different that I've never seen before that I can kind of relay to my contractors and just those little things that just, I feel like make it easier. I want to share that. And you need to utilize that if, if you as a homeowner get something and you're a business owner and you loved it so much, figure a way you can incorporate that. I mean, even in like luxury car sales, I'm sure there is something about what they do that you could steal because it's more streamlined, it's more efficient, or it's just more creative of a way to do something that's boring, like asking for reviews or having some follow-up to see if they're still interested in getting their kitchen remodeled. All those things can kind of be like hands off for you as well. Because I think if we do steal those ideas from one another, at least the ideas I'm thinking of, they're processes that you would put in place for your business one time, and it'll help you execute an easier process every time with every new client, because you've incorporated something that's making it easier for you and for the client at the end of the day. So what are some of um, some marketing ideas that we can actually do when we got the job? So now we've got the job and that we all know through sales and everything that, that that's when the actual work starts, but there's opportunities when you are actually doing the job for marketing. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, so first, first off, when it comes to marketing, if you're in a business that has a very visual type of service, you have got to take before and afters. So before you touch anything, you take a before picture, you take as many before pictures as possible. So you can save that for your marketing in the future and kind of going down there. Um, you're going to make sure that let's just say you've already finished the job. You have that client's email. Throughout that, you've already asked in person for a review. You're going to follow up with them to make sure you get that review because if you do bigger end jobs, you're going to be working with less people. It's going to be even harder to kind of get those reviews. So you have to kind of just be um, consistent in that process to always do that in-person ask and that follow-up system afterwards. So putting that into place for your marketing is great. Something I love if contractors have the time to do this is what do you know that the average homeowner doesn't? When I mean that, you could provide us little small resources that you could send a little email blast out that you could send to all of your past clients. Now, not that we might use you every quarter, every six months, every month. We might use you maybe once and not again for 10 years if we bought a metal roof from you. But you can still provide us knowledge. And I'm most likely not going to unsubscribe from you if you were only giving me things that are to my benefit how to make maintain what you have just done for me, how to extend longevity of what you have done for me. Um, little tidbits, uh, the, the first huge frost of the season is coming this weekend. Here's how to winterize your home. All these little things, again, because you're in the trades, you might not think about it, but the average homeowner doesn't know this no. or they think they do, but they have so many other things going on that you could have a great little reminder because you're giving them that little jam-packed resource. And again, they get to see your name but you could have other things on there, like a before and after picture of your most recent project. Because again, maybe you have, and, and maybe it shouldn't be the maybe, you should have email addresses of those that you didn't close along with ones that you did close. So that way you can send them 
different types of things, sending all of your progress jobs to the people who didn't close with you. And you can send all the resources to those who did close with you because it's kind of a different potential prospect, but you're still crossing that marketing over because maybe you did their bathroom. Well, now the guest bath, it needs to be done. And they just saw a great before and after. And you just had a resource about how to make sure your pipes don't freeze over this winter. Okay. Wow. You know, I just might go ahead and just click on this photo and see what it looks like. Well, now I'm on your website and now I have the opportunity to see more of your work potentially call you or leave a contact form asking for a quote from you. I mean, those are all great things you can do. Like, I mean, given you finish the job, you're going to continue to touch these people after that job is finished. And the more you touch them, the more opportunities there are to have a great marketing referral relationship with them or just random leads because you sent that message and they went, I know you told me to uh, protect my pipes and uh, turn the water off. Um, I did it. And uh, now my fight's frozen. So I need you to come over here. And luckily your phone number is right there in the email. And I just called you because it was the last email I opened. Yep. These are just, again, easy streamlined steps that you never know the possibilities of what if you could be there at the right moment. That's your work. I mean, that's just the goal is to be there in the right moment. And these little things are kind of triggers or what can help you just be remembered in that client's eyes. Long as you did a good job. I agree. Uh, and I also wanted to add that um, I guess there's two things that most tradespeople in the business will leave a client with after the job is done. And they'll always ask them for hopefully a positive review if they have the time to do so. Right. And then also ask them to possibly refer us to another job. But I think there's many more things that we can ask of them at the end of it. Once you completed the job and everything's gone perfectly and everything's gone well and the clients are happy, I think there's better last impressions that can be left to the client when it comes to marketing opportunities. What are your thoughts on there? Yeah. I mean, just going back to what we said earlier, if you at the end of that could ask them all those questions, because again, it's only going to be at the very end of the job. They'll probably give you all the truth because it's done at this point. They've paid, you know, they don't feel like they have to be nice to you potentially. I mean, they're maybe just going to tell you the raw <laughs> yeah. truth with it. Ask them everything. What made you choose us? What did you like about this project? What went wrong on this project? Where can we clean up our communication? Did we give you enough communication? Um, what else is there something we could help you with? And that might not be 100% relative to your industry, but I love the concept of referral relationships. So if they say, well, you know, to be honest, uh, we need to get the roof done on our house. Oh, I actually, uh, there's two companies in town I highly recommend. Would you like me just to go ahead and write down their information for you? Oh yeah, that'd be great. Again, you could create a referral relationship. Hopefully that roofer will refer remodeling jobs to you, vice versa. But instead, what you can do is you're leaving that long lasting impression about how helpful and how much you care about them, even if it means at the end of the day, you didn't make any dollars off of it. Giving them a name of someone else to go to is not going to make them tip you higher or, you know, or giving you more money you know, on top of the job they just paid for, but it's going to help them remember you and probably even make a better referral relationship. If their neighbor comes over and they say, wow, Becky, this kitchen's fantastic. I'm sure this cost an arm and a leg and it probably took a year to get done. This is just incredible. And she goes, oh, actually, no, it was a local company. It took one month um, and it was not as bad as you think it was. Like, yes, I picked some things that were probably a little bit higher priced than what they had in the budget, but great experience. And they actually helped me find the roofer. I mean, all those little things. It's just like what you would want a friend to do. I think that's the concept we should all think about is if you had a friend that was doing this for you, what would you expect that friend to do? Have your back and ask you questions and engage in a conversation with you to make sure that they're helping you as much as they can. 
those are the things I feel like you can really do at the end because that's going to hone in your marketing message. And if not hone in a better relationship with future referrers from that client to come to your business. Is there such a thing, Brittany, as too much marketing? Mm, like, can you, uh, I remember that I didn't hire a company one time. I think I've mentioned this on the show before because they rolled up in a four by four lifted for pickup truck fully decked out with decals, like so much aftermarket money spent on this vehicle. And I just said, I'm not interested in hiring this company. That's not a, that's not a proper work vehicle in my opinion. Right. So I just started thinking, okay, is there too much marketing going on at some times people get a little too crazy with having everything branded to death. Yeah. So just my personal feelings is yes. The over the top marketing and branding it doesn't sell to me because it feels a little too gimmicky. Yeah. And I feel that you're not making a connection with me. You're just more about guerrilla marketing. I need to be everywhere. And everyone knows my ABC construction company name because I have a gorilla on the side of my truck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's not going to sell me on it. I'm still probably going to look at your business, look at your reviews and, and make sure things kind of go from there. So I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm also not a fan of just too much marketing in general. And the aspect of if you're a business owner and you say, okay, this is my entire budget for the entire year. I want to do all these 10 things. Well, if your money is, let's just say at a pitcher. And if I pour that pitcher out into these 10 cups, well, these are 10 very lowly filled cups. You're not putting a lot into each of these, which means you're probably not getting good results. You might not be tracking them to make sure they're using it effectively, but you want it to be everywhere. You wanted that omni-channel presence. You know, I wanted to be known and I really kind of want to go to that branding route. I'm not a fan of that because you might be putting some money into cups that are not going to fill what you need to be doing. It's just going to be dollars out versus dollars in. So instead, knock some of those cups out, pour them into a few. I mean, to have three or four marketing channels is way better than to have 10 spread out, not greatly used, tracked, focused, or tested on type of marketing channels. So the other aspect, you know, people are too afraid to get too busy. So you do have to be smart with it, but I'd rather know what channels are going to go good. So that way you can better test your money out with different places because you know where it's going to be effective. You have the game plan. We've proactively talked about this and we're not doing too much where we're going to get too busy. We're scared. We're just going to do the right amount and we can still scale. You can always go up, but it is, I think hard. And sometimes the worry, if you spend too much too quickly, you're going to grow. You're not going to have the employees there to maintain the type of call volume you're getting. And that can sometimes be a negative aspect on your business. If everyone's saying, yeah, I called ABC construction and they pushed me out six months. Like who the hell are they? You know, they might never call you again versus if you have a good handle and grasp on what you're doing, that's probably going to help edge the blow somewhat as well. I totally agree. I totally agree. So did we cover everything, Brittany? I'm, I'm pretty sure we, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation. I always love talking marketing and I think construction industry is one segment that definitely needs help with it. Um, and you work with companies big or small, doesn't matter what it is. And you're helping them get their message out there and then in turn sales. It's as simple exactly. as that, right? Yep. And we like to specialize in the trade and home service industries because that's kind of the homeowners who we're normally talking to. So we really understand their buying process. And that's what any business owner needs to do, whether you love marketing or not, is get into that aspect, get into their headspace and kind of know what to do with that homeowner. That's where you're going to have the best return on your investment when it comes to marketing. Awesome. So Brittany Murphy from One Thing Marketing, www.onethingmarketing.net. Brittany at onethingmarketing.net and all over Facebook, LinkedIn, and IG, One Thing Marketing. I still have the 12 questions, but is there anything else you want to share before we do the 12 questions? 
Yes, I would just love to share if anything resonated with you. I do a free ebook. So if you do oh. go to our okay. onethingmarketing.net website, right on the homepage, there's a free ebook. So if you were in the trades and you're trying to look for some good marketing digital tips for yourself, download that ebook. It is a great resource for you. Um, and also if you hate reading, if you don't want to do this yourself, you can book a free strategy session with me and I'll be more than happy to brainstorm, talk about your exact area and kind of help you come with more of a game plan on your services in your area and try to market those better. Awesome. I didn't even know about the ebook. Why didn't I know about the ebook? Cause I'm a magician and just came out of nowhere now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad that you have one. That's perfect. I'm sure a lot of people will check it out. Uh, let's do the 12 questions. Ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite construction word? blueprints i actually have my grandfather's blueprints he drew in high school framed in my home wow yeah those are so, rare that's very very rare yeah i mean he was already doing that in high school so it's crazy the times back then what they were <laughs> having classes for engineering and we were barely getting the algebra one i feel like <laughs> was it a family home or was it just a project that he was doing in school so just a school project but it was really cute it was for the future mrs hecker Got it. Okay. That's so, very, very nice. sweet. I like that. What is your least favorite construction word? Bird dogging. <laughs> <laughs> what term? I love you... the meaning of it. <laughs> I don't know what it means. What does it mean? Oh, it's like micromanaging. Like, oh, a boss okay. That just All right. I've never, I've never even over... heard of that. Okay. Oh, wow. It's got to be an American thing, no? I guess probably. <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Ooh. I love like quality construction, like good finishes, like quality done, no mistakes. I mean, 100% perfection is a huge turn on. What turns you off in construction? Um, random, but having to use like a construction lifter hoist, I've been in one a time or two and I, my knees were shaking more than they were shaking while I was rapping my song for you <laughs> is putting me in an elevator. I hate those. <laughs> They're perfectly safe. Um, yeah, what is your favorite are. curse word? It would be the F-bomb. The F-bomb. What's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? It would be a Porsche 911, which I had the lovely chance to drive when I valeted when I was 21. I did not know manual well back then, so that was fun to watch. <laughs> oh, I miss manual. I miss stick shift. I can't stand paddle shift. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not I'm the sorry. same at it's all. It's not the same. What's your least favorite vehicle? PT Cruiser. <laughs> That's been expressed a few times. <laughs> it's an ugly looking car. It is. <laughs> On so many levels. What construction sound or noise do you love? Uh, I like the the uh, air power like a nail gun. Like a psh. I like that noise. What construction sound or noise do you hate? A jackhammer. Loud. What yeah. profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Um. There's a YouTuber, Enos Yalsmar. He's like a realtor in Beverly Hills, okay. but he gets to tour multi-million dollar homes internationally. And I think that would be phenomenal to get to see these exquisite homes everywhere. So he's the Robin Leach of today. Yes, he is. <laughs> what profession 100%. would you not like to do? I would hate to work a, a morgue, like being an embalmer. Oh. Being your dead bodies. <laughs> I've been in one of those before. Um, yeah, if, no, thank you. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? The gang's all here and we've been waiting for you. 
Brittany, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure having you on the show and sharing so much insight. Uh, we needed to hear it. We, we truly needed to hear it. So thank you so much for being on the show. It was my pleasure, Manny. Thank you for having me. Everybody again, Brittany Murphy from One Thing Marketing, www.onethingmarketing.net and reach her directly at Brittany at onethingmarketing.net and also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and IG, One Thing Marketing. I think that's it. That is. All right, great. Thank you so much, Angelina. We are out of here.